Hello everyone, here is Daniel Albudai with a new episode of our e-commerce podcast. And uh, today I'm here with Brad Curry. He's the CEO of OMG Commerce and uh, he's one of the founders as well. And um, very interesting conversation today because this is a, uh, I think we can say it, it's a bigger agency than most of our agency, agency guests here. They are 55 people now with around 100 e-commerce uh, e-commerce clients. They are based in the US. So he, I think he can see many different trends uh, across multiple industries and uh, marketing services. And uh, I'm happy to have you here, Brett. How are you? I know uh, you have some flu today. Yeah, I'm great. I'm really excited to be here. Um, gee, I just came over the flu, which was like a two week. It was kind of crazy. I still worked, but it, I wasn't. I wasn't my normal self. I actually feel really good right now. My voice is not 100. percent So we'll just, we'll have to fight through it. Uh, apologies if this is hard to listen to for anybody, but uh, I feel good and I'm excited to be here. Yeah. If you don't tell me, I didn't even notice to be honest. Oh, okay. Great. 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 So, I, it's still yeah. my my voice sounds weird to me, but if it sounds good to everybody else, then we're we're good to go. So let's start with uh, your personal background. When did you launch this company? Who are the co-founders, if you have any? And uh, what was your initial motivation back then? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I actually started uh, an agency right out of college where I was doing um, TV and radio and direct mail. I was basically just like a consultant to help local businesses grow. In 2004, uh, I had a client uh, ask me if I knew SEO, and I said, no, I don't. And they said, well, we'll pay you to learn it. And I said, great. And so started learning SEO and kind of fell in love with it. So started doing SEO for this company and then started offering that as a service. Uh, fast forward to 2010, started OMG with Chris Brewer, who's the other co-founder. And so we were actually an SEO company first. So we did, we did okay. SEO and then paid search and dabbled in a whole bunch of stuff, website design and other things. And we, we realized, man, we're, we're not very good at website uh, building, but we're very good at search marketing. So SEO and uh, PPC. And then started learning e-commerce around 2012. Got some clients doing Google Shopping and Google Shopping was just crushing it. Like you'd get 10x, 12x return, you know, on your money. So 1200% return on ad spend was like normal at that time. And so I was like, wow, this is pretty fun. And, and so we started really uh, focusing on e-commerce. 2016, we were exclusively e-commerce. We kind of shut down other areas of the business just so we could focus on e-commerce. And then I'd also, I'd done quite a bit of video in my background. So I did some TV, some TV production. So I just, I love the power of video. Um, it was one of those things where even for a local business, you'd start running TV ads and I'd hear the owner say, man, I, I go to the gas station now and people stop me and say, hey, you're the guy on TV, right? Or you're the one that sells this thing. I just, I saw your ads. Right where you know you're on radio or something, and nobody says stuff like that. Right there's this there's a celebrity factor that kind of happened with TV ads, and they they just worked. And so I uh, always loved video, and then and I always loved YouTube, but but YouTube wasn't really that effective as we kind of dabbled with it. And then YouTube offered a new what was new at the time, like 2016, uh, called TrueView, where you would only pay if someone actually engaged with the video, they had to watch it or click on it. And I thought, man, this is, this is it. Like, this is going to be awesome. And so we went all in on, on YouTube, kind of became known as a YouTube agency. So like YouTube and Google shopping. When was it? Two what year was it? 
it's like 2016, 2017. Okay. <clears throat> really went hard on YouTube. And so I started speaking. I was speaking at events prior to that too, like as your Firestones events and um, started speaking at like Traffic and Conversion Summit on how to combine YouTube and Google shopping for explosive results and stuff. And so even to this day, though, fast forward to 2022, there's still not a lot of people utilizing YouTube the way that they should. Yeah. And, uh, and even Google Shopping. And so there's still a powerful combo there. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I basically, I always loved marketing. I always loved the psychology of why do people buy certain products or why do people respond to certain ads? So I've always just loved that, that side of it and loved the trackable nature of online ads, you know, compared to like TV or radio or whatnot. And uh, so, yeah, so yeah, that, that's kind of the, the very much abbreviated uh, story. And so today we're about 55, between 55 and 60 people, about 100 clients, depending on how you uh, count our, our Google and Amazon clients. And uh, yeah, man, we, we, love, we love what we do. We love helping accelerate growth for great e-commerce brands. Yeah. And not only e-commerce, and I guess uh, I assume most of them, they are selling in the US, right? Yeah, it's all e-com. And, and mostly U.S. Yeah, U.S. is the primary market for all of our clients. We do have several, though, that sell internationally. Yeah. And uh, do, you, do you focus on any niches or industries? Not really. Um, you know, we found that, hey, when, when you kind of understand e-commerce, it's pretty similar. Uh, and so, you know, we have, we have some automotive clients. We have some fashion clients. We have had a lot of clients in the beauty and skincare verticals we've had a lot of clients in the supplement space mm -hmm. so th those are probably the two beauty and supplements we've probably had the highest concentration we've done a number of we had a number of clients in like the uh the automotive and recreational vehicle space uh, we've done some some home goods appliances a little bit of everything i think once you understand google shopping on the google side or once you understand amazon optimization you, you can help any basically any yeah. product category there's not that much difference between one and, and the other. Yeah, in my agency, we had at least one or two years when uh, with our sales guy, we thought about, okay, what niche we, we should spe specialize in, maybe fashion, maybe beauty, maybe jewelry, because we are good with design and visuals. But uh, what we realized is that there is not much difference. We, we don't actually have to... Uh, you know, specialize into any because uh, you just don't have to. We can deliver the work for, for each uh, yeah. without any problems. So totally. Yeah, we yeah. found it's better. Like what really matters is, you know, do you have a product that sells? Do you have a product that people like and it's got good reviews? Yeah. And do you have good customer service? And and does the the owner and the the marketing team, do you have they have a growth mindset, right? So the the mindset of the business owner actually has a big impact on what on what we do. And yeah. so that's more important than a specific vertical, mm -hmm. really. And so, yeah, we're, we're just more looking for, hey, what's that brand that's got some traction that we can really help accelerate, you know, really help yeah. turn the dials and, and, and accelerate that growth. And so that, that's who we're looking for more than a specific vertical. When, yeah, I, I want to discuss more about it. However, before that, I have to ask this question. So where this name comes from. Yeah. So this is really funny. Um, it, it, and it's one of those kind of surprising things. Uh, when we first started the company in 2010, uh, my business partner, Chris Brewer, he had a business of his own. I had a business of my own. And we're like, hey, let's just try something. Let's just, let's try this, this project, right? 
And so we came up with the name Local Marketing Giant. And the idea was we'd help local companies become giants online. It's not a very good name. I actually didn't like the name very much. But we're like, hey, it's a project. Let's just try it. Well, it took off. Like we, we started, we were selling like crazy. And we're like, wow, this is going better than we thought. Then we realized, hey, local isn't a very good name, right? That's because we're doing stuff online. So we changed it just to be quick and easy, change it to online marketing giant, right? And so now we're online marketing giant, but the URL is forever long. It's just a mouthful to say. So everyone started calling us OMG. So it's online marketing giant, but everyone's like, no, no, no I don't want to say that. You're, you're OMG. And so then, then eventually we're like, hey, okay, everyone calls us OMG. OMG's memorable. Let's just rebrand. And so we became OMG Commerce mm -hmm. officially. And now, you know, yeah, so that's the that's the yeah. actual LLC. So for a while we were OMG Commerce or we were local marketing giant, DBA, OMG Commerce, but we, we, we flipped it. We renamed the LLC. Mm -hmm. uh, so now yeah. it's OMG Commerce. Yeah. So it actually means something. It's not just something you came up with the three letters. Exactly. Yeah, it actually means something in kind of a roundabout. It kind of stemmed from a, eh, let's just pick a name so we can get started on this little project. And then it mm -hmm. took off and uh, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of evolved on its own. So yeah, yeah. So let's talk about your services and how you help these e-commerce stores grow. So what's your approach when it comes to e-commerce growth? Yeah, it's great. So we really have, we have two sides of the agency, really three uh, that we focus on. So one is kind of the D to C, the direct to consumer side, and that's mostly Google. So the Google ads ecosystem. So search shopping, YouTube, display, mm -hmm. discovery. Uh, we've got email. So email services for retention and also to help, you know, bolster our top of funnel efforts on, on YouTube. Uh, you know, we drive email leads and we can close those leads into customers. Uh, and then we have our Amazon uh, side. And so Amazon is basically full channel management. So it's organic, it's paid, it's consulting, it's helping with inventory. It's basically managing the full Amazon side of the business. And so our approach is, you know, it really depends on, on what a client needs. So they want just Google or just email or just Amazon or do they want a little bit of all of it, right? And so that, that mm -hmm. kind of dictates our approach. Um, but I'll talk about I'll talk about kind of our approach on Google uh, really quickly, and I'll, I'll talk about what we call the four pillars of growth on Google. So if, if we think about kind of the way Google works, right? People still mostly interact with Google via search, right? That's that's most of what Google is. It's query based, it's search based, and so often what happens is we, we have clients come to us that are spending you know a few hundred thousand a month on Facebook, and that's going well, but they're not doing a lot on Google, and so we kind of start with the foundation of good search ads, right? Because a lot of times what happens is somebody sees a product on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or maybe YouTube, they don't buy right away. What they do next is they search for that product, right? So they maybe they visit, maybe they think about it, but then later they're searching for it uh, to find it and buy it. So good search ads, right? Like that's, that's the foundation of Google. So branded ads, non-branded ads, we want search. Uh, the next pillar or the, ne the next uh, piece of the foundation there is uh, shopping. So those are the, the product listing ads or, you know, you're searching for, uh, you know, Nike or Jordans or whatever. And you see the, the pictures of the Jordans with the title and the price. Google shopping ads. They're fantastic. Um, now that's mostly through Performance Max, uh, but we still want to focus on are we getting enough coverage with our, with our shopping ads? So that, that's the second, the second pillar. Third is remarketing and loyalty. So we're doing, we're running remarketing on the display network, 
discovery and YouTube, right? So our, you know, one to seven to 14 day visitor audience, our abandoned cart audiences. We then also look at maybe someone who's bought once, but they haven't bought twice. We're trying to get reorders or someone who's purchased, but they haven't bought in six months. We're trying to get reactivation. So kind of this uh, uh, remarketing and loyalty. And then the fourth pillar is YouTube and looking at YouTube uh, from a top of funnel perspective. So how do we get more people interested in our brand from YouTube? YouTube is extremely powerful, huge reach. Um, it does drive action. It is a little bit different to measure. And that's where a lot of people make mistakes with YouTube is they don't measure it properly or don't uh, look for the overall impact of YouTube. So that's, that's kind of what we look at on, on the, the Google side. Yeah. Uh, any, any questions there? Or you want me to move on to, to email and, and uh, Amazon? Yeah, let's, uh, let's dive deeper into sure. this topic. So you said earlier that many brands, they undervalue YouTube. And yeah. uh, why is that? And how they could do a better job when it comes to YouTube? Yeah, so I think you, you got to think about the way users interact with YouTube, right? There, there, are, there are a number of people, millions of people every day, actually, that go to YouTube looking for product reviews, right? So... Uh, one, one activity on YouTube is looking at unboxings or demonstrations or, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about buying this product, but I want to see it in action. I want to see reviews on that product. So there's been over the last four or five years, there's been like, you know, multiple increases, you know, 300% a year or whatever on people looking for things like best travel pillow or best noise canceling headphones or best whatever espresso machine. And so you know, we can target people on YouTube based on what they're searching for and run an ad to them. And at that point in time, hey, maybe someone's actively shopping and then we're going to, you know, trigger them to, to click and, and maybe buy quickly or buy in the next few days or whatever. But a lot of people that are watching YouTube, they're there for something else, right? They're there to, to learn something or be entertained or they're watching podcasts or they're watching their favorite influencer or whatever the case may be. So not looking to buy right then. So if we run a great YouTube ad and we get someone to engage, maybe even to click, we shouldn't really expect very many to buy right then, right? They're, they're likely going to circle back and buy in five days or a week or two weeks or whatever. And so that's where we have to have remarketing in place. That's where we need to take our, uh, we need to build viewed video audiences or audiences of people that have engaged with our videos and layer those into search and shopping because that's, Often the next activity someone's going to take, they see your ad on YouTube, they don't buy, but later they search for you. So you want to layer those, those uh, viewed video audiences into to search and shopping, right? And then we need to look at, okay, what's the overall impact? So yes, there's going to be some direct conversions from YouTube, but there's also going to be an increase in branded search. There's going to be an increase in branded search campaigns. going to be an increase in, in shopping campaigns. So what we've seen, we did a study a couple of years ago where... Once an e-commerce brand gets to about 30000 a month in YouTube spend, we typically see a 30% lift in search and shopping campaigns. So yes, you see some direct conversions from YouTube, but even more than that, you start to see a lift in branded search campaigns and even non-brand campaigns. Because now there's more people at the top of the funnel that know about you, know about your product and your benefit, and your benefits, and now are searching for you online. And so, so you got to look at that whole picture. Uh, historically, Google has not been very good at giving credit to YouTube. I think Facebook has always been better at giving credit to the right campaigns. And that's probably shifted with iOS 14. So in the last couple of years, it's shifted. Um, so a couple of things you got to look at with YouTube is you got to look at that overall brand lift and overall account lift. 
I think it's probably time to look at third-party attribution. So I love I love Northbeam, I love Triple Whale. There's a few others that I know people speak highly of, like Hyros, and there's a few others. But yeah. but for me, Northbeam and Triple Whale are kind of the go-to. Um, so then, if you look at what's going on in platform, what's our brand lift? What are these third-party tools saying? And then you're kind of backing all that up with with Google Analytics. It's going to give you a better picture. So yeah. that that's kind of the quick rundown of, of how we need to think about YouTube and YouTube measurement. Yeah, I, I really like you mentioned these uh, CDP tools such as Nordbeam or TripleWheel. Actually, we also prefer these two. TripleWheel does a great job with Shopify stores, but yeah. you know, not everyone is on Shopify, so you can try out other tools as well. Yeah. Um, let's uh, skip to the second that you mentioned, email and retention. Uh, our, yeah, our agency, we call it retention marketing, but I think we all know what we talk about. So what is your approach uh, with email? Yeah, you know, email marketing, it's one of those things that like email is never going to die, right? It's, it's the, I remember when I was like in, in TV and radio. So in the early 2000s, people were like, email is going to die. Uh, you know, young people, they're not, they're not emailing and, and this is like 20 years later and email is as strong as it's ever been, right? So email is always going to play a part in your business. And what we believe is that email should touch, you know, 30 to 40% of your revenue. It doesn't mean that, that email yeah. is fully responsible for 30 to 40% of your revenue, but it should probably touch that uh, percentage of your revenue, right? So what we found is email really comes down to, do you have the right flows in place? So abandoned cart sequence, reorder sequence, welcome sequence, post-purchase sequence. Like, do you have these flows set up? And are you measuring and seeing what's getting clicked, what's causing conversions, what's working? So building those flows, improving on those flows. And then are you emailing enough? Like, are you running those uh, multiple times a week emails to your list with offers, with education, with things to stay top of mind, right? Mo most e-commerce e companies don't email their clients enough and they don't have their flows built out. And, and then they're also, they're not very good at copy, right? So thinking about subject lines and what's going on in the email, it needs to be fun and interesting. And, and I should get an email from a brand and be like, okay, I got to open this, right? I got I to gotta, I gotta see what you're, what you're all about. We, we just sent a client, an email for a client over the holidays and it was for ugly sweaters and the, and the subject line was just ugly period and uh, then you open and it was you know all about ugly sweaters and it actually worked really well and so you know email is, is still pretty simplistic um but you've got to it just takes a lot of work right a lot of work of building flows improving flows testing subject lines finding out what your email list responds to what they don't improving iterating um and and the cool thing is if you do it if you do it well then you're going to be able to turn up the dials on some of your top of funnel efforts, right? If you can drive traffic from YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever and get more add to carts or get more people signing up for your email list, and now you've got a great follow-up sequence and you can convert them into clients, now that means you can spend more. Now that means you can spend more on your top of funnel efforts and grow yeah. your business faster. So huge fan of email marketing from a, you know closing the initial sale or, or retention and loyalty uh, email is just super, super powerful. And we like to layer in SMS there as well. So we run, you know, SMS campaigns with our email campaigns. And uh, yeah, they're just, they're the workhorse of e-commerce. Yeah. And you mentioned automations and flows and 
two, two additional reasons why we should use them all e-commerce businesses because you can set them up once and of course you should update them and and a b test and all of that but even if you don't have the time at least set them up once and they will be there and they will generate revenue and the other thing is the triggers that you mentioned abandoned cart post purchase all of that they are based on behaviors and it's all automated these emails go out after the action what somebody uh, made on the on the website so it, actually if you check the the uh, revenue per recipient uh, for campaigns versus flows for flows it's much higher like three four times higher yeah and uh, yeah so flows are a must-have for e-commerce businesses totally agree totally agree and I think you mentioned SMS loyalty, even push notifications. I think the logic is quite similar there, just different channels and you can make it an omni-channel experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the open rate, uh, the view rate of SMS is much higher even than email. You can mm -hmm. overdo it. You know, we, we, we're more tolerant of getting a lot of emails. You can overdo it on the SMS side, but we're still, we're still you know, sending SMS messages multiple times a month to our audience yeah. and, and that and that works really well yeah, yeah so let's talk about the third pillar amazon and yeah this is uh probably for less people not everyone is on amazon but i think many many uh businesses they are just like our clients so what's your approach when it comes to amazon yeah so i think from a high level one thing to think about if you're if you're holding out on amazon and, and i think it's okay to not be on amazon i think there's a legitimate strategy to avoid amazon and just go D to C. You've seen, you know, Nike do that and other big brands. However, you know, 50% give or take of all e-commerce happens on Amazon. I know a lot of people in my family that they see something they want to buy, they go to Amazon first. If it's not there, sometimes they won't even buy it, right? So, so Amazon controls so much of the market. So we got to keep that in mind. But the other thing we had to keep in mind is that now it's easier than ever to actually build a brand on Amazon, right? So some of the arguments of don't sell on Amazon because that becomes Amazon's customer, not your customer. Well, because of enhanced brand content and some of the ways we can tweak our pages and now we can email our customers through Amazon. There's, there are other tools we can use where it feels like, hey, I'm buying this specific brand. Yes, I bought it on Amazon, but I'm buying this specific brand. And so we talk to our clients about, hey, let's let's build your brand more on Amazon rather than let's just try to get some sales on Amazon. And I think that's the key and that's the kicker. What we've seen is that if someone has started their business D2C, so through Shopify or BigCommerce or whatever, and they've, they've built a following, they've built a business, if you launch on Amazon, you can usually add 15% to your top and bottom line very quickly. Right. So this is what we've seen with, uh, you mentioned, or uh, we talked about before the show, rather, uh, Ezra Firestone. So Ezra Firestone uh, own, owns Boom by Cindy Joseph and Overtone. So we manage all of the Google and YouTube and Amazon for both brands. For the longest time, Boom was not on Amazon and a pretty, pretty successful brand, uh, as most of you probably know. So we helped Boom launch on Amazon. It's a bit of a struggle because there have been, there were some other brands who were like, succeeding off of the boom name right we ran all these top of funnel ads people would go to amazon search for boom by cindy joseph you had these other people kind of squatting on the brand name and they were getting all those sales so we started selling on amazon and these competitors just attacked you know like making you know posting bad reviews 
trying to get our listings taken down. Like it, it was a, it was a fight. Anyway, we, we got past that. We, we worked and, and slugged our way through that. Uh, but in, in the first year, um, we added over $5 million to, to boom all through Amazon and it did not cannibalize the other channels. So it was, it was basically just additional revenue and, and pretty profitable revenue at that. And so, so I think, I think you had to look at Amazon. And so we, we take a holistic approach to Amazon. We're building out quality listings, you know, those product detail pages with branding elements there. We're building out a storefront, which you can kind of think about. And, and here's a good example too. Like if I go to Best Buy to buy an Apple product, I go to buy a new iPad. Am I a Best Buy customer? Or am I an Apple customer? It's both, right? But yeah. I went to Best Buy to buy Apple, right? And you've got that little shop within a shop, the Amazon store that's inside of Best Buy. So that's what we try to do on Amazon, right? We'll build a storefront, which is your brand experience inside of Amazon, right? So people like to buy on Amazon because all their payment information is saved and they like two-day shipping and they just trust it, right? But we can create this little brand experience inside of Amazon for your brand. And, and so that's what we do. So that, that way, ideally, someone's saying, no, I'm, I'm a Boom customer, right? I buy Boom by Cindy Joseph. I buy it on Amazon because it's more convenient, but I'm a Boom customer, right? Whereas, and there are some products, and, and I've done this, you've probably done this too, Daniel, where you buy a spatula on Amazon or Pizza Cutter, and you're like, yeah, I, I don't know what brand that was, right? That, I just bought it, on, I bought it on Amazon, whatever. You just bought the product in a that I but for I other products, if you build the brand properly and tell the mm -hmm. story properly on Amazon and you're telling the story outside of Amazon as well, Amazon can just be another place you're building your brand and, and reaching more people. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this. Uh, it's, you know, not, it's not a competitive approach like Amazon cannibalizes our brand, but it's more like a collaborative approach. And Amazon is one more channel where we can excel. And yep. actually, I, you mentioned storytelling, but uh, what are those elements that help you to, you know, sell the brand or, or um, to familiarize people with the brand? Because, yeah. you know, the, the, you have less tools than on, on Shopify. Yeah. So there, there are, are fewer tools on Amazon and you, you got to understand that, hey, some people, they're just going to look at reviews and images and a little bit of copy. And if that all checks out, great. They're just going to buy it. Right. So a few things we like to look at. We we want the images that we have on our PDPs, the product detail pages on Amazon. We try to design that to, to where if all someone had was the images and the videos, because you can put some videos there too. If that's all somebody had, it would be enough for them to say yes, right? So are you showing different angles of the product? And if you're selling something like a yoga mat, are you showing how thick the yoga mat is? And are you showing it in action? And are you showing close-ups? Are you showing cutouts? You know, you're showing enough where someone can get all their questions answered just by the images. And then is there a video or two that kind of does a little walkthrough that further answers those questions? Then when I think about, okay, are we, do we have enough reviews? And are these reviews good? Because people will look at reviews. If you have one or two reviews, you know, if they're five-star reviews, that's probably not enough, right? You want 10 plus reviews on almost all your products mm -hmm. or more. If you get into the hundreds or thousands, man, you're probably rolling at that point. Um, we, then we look at our bullet points. So the bullet points that are there on that product detail page and, and of course, the title. Um, and then we're looking at some of that A-plus content or the content that's further down the page. If it's a higher consideration product, you know, someone's buying a, a projector, maybe it's a makeup set or, you know, it's a bundle for supplements and it's, you know, it's, it's a higher priced item. 
then people will scroll down the page and start to read more of that content. So then do you have comparisons of your product versus competitors? Mm -hmm. and, and do you have more video content or you have some lifestyle images? So are you further selling the story of your brand uh, further down the page? And so I think some of the elements of good storytelling, you know, what, what's going to bring this product to life? Sprinkling maybe a little bit of the founder's story, right? Hey, this is why I created that. I had this problem in my own life. And so I created this product, right? Not a, not a 30 minute founder story, but little, little samples of this is why I made this product, right? And customers still connect better with people than they connect with products, right? So a little bit of the founder's story is good. A lot of the product in action type of thing. Um, and so, yeah, so th those are a few of the elements that can help really differentiate a product on Amazon. Yeah, very interesting. I think we had a few Amazon expert guests, but I think you are the first who really mentioned these branding type of things on Amazon. So, yeah, I think the listeners uh, could use it. I have two more questions to you, and these are a bit more personal. Sure. So in your business journey, what was your biggest challenge or, you know, something that you are really proud of that you could tackle with that challenge? Yeah, it's really great. So I think one of the early challenges was uh, we were trying to do too much in our business, right? And, and in some ways, when you're first starting your business, you may need to try multiple things to see what you're really good at. Yeah, so like I mentioned, we were, doing, we were doing like direct mail, we were doing um, website design, we were building membership sites, like we were doing all kinds of stuff we really had no business doing. So then having the discipline and the self-awareness to say, look, we, we let's just do what we can be world-class at. So we cut out everything except for search marketing, SEO and paid search. That's all we did for quite a while. As we started building and growing and doing more with Google Shopping and stuff, then we're like, okay, we're, we're really good. We've got systems, we've got people, we got processes. Now let's add YouTube, right? Now let's add Amazon. Now let's add these things. So having that discipline to say, you know, timeout. We're, we're, we're doing too much. We're spreading ourselves thin and we're not great at anything right now because we're driving yeah. too much. So that power of focus, especially early on as you're trying to build your, your company and build your brand is, is really, really powerful. Um, yeah. I know there's some benefits to being like a one-stop shop. A lot of clients are looking for one-stop, you know, agencies, but I've just found it's, it's really hard to be great at everything, right? Usually you gravitate towards, hey, we're really great at Facebook, we're really great at Google, we're really great at email. It's hard to be great at everything. So that, that yeah. ability to focus, and I think we, we were really good at that. Um, the other thing that I think we, we did really well at is my business partner and I, we identified when it was time, when we were becoming the bottleneck, right? So there's a time in your business where the founder's got to do almost everything, right? We're on client calls and we're executing ads and we're just... You know, we're passionate about what we do. We love the business. We love our clients. We're pretty smart marketers. So we're doing everything. There's a time when you got to say, I got to do less, right? We need to bring in. So one of the things we did fairly early on was we promoted our bookkeeper, who is just a phenomenal manager, very organized, very smart, very uh, disciplined. Her name's Sarah. Elevated her from bookkeeper and finance to uh, CEO, I'm not CEO, I'm CEO, uh, COO. So she is yeah, chief operations officer, so, so mm -hmm. director of ops, basically. And so she started managing people, many processes and, and, and that's really, I'm not great at process. A business partner is not great at process. 
we don't like the day-to-day of people, even though I'm, I think I'm good at attracting the right people and inspiring and motivating and casting vision, not great at the day-to-day. So we, we promoted her and that really unlocked some serious growth. So there was like a plateau time where we're kind of getting things mm-hmm. processes dialed in and stuff. And then once we did that, then we took off again. And so, so I think those two things focus and then not being the bottleneck uh, as a business owner uh, and, and understanding when it's time to bring on the right people. And for us, it was getting someone in that COO seat. Um, and that really was a, a great unlock for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, my agency, we are also in the process of moving one of our uh, our senior account manager into a COO position. It's great. And that's great. And I think when this happens, it also enables the more visionary type of people. Yep. And I think we are both like that. Usually totally. CEO is like that. So you have just more time to think about the yeah. vision where you want to go. So, totally. I've got to think time. And like, you know, that, that has enabled us to like to do YouTube, right? For me to kind of mm-hmm. dream about, hey, well, okay, if we're going to be successful at YouTube, what does that look like? And I've got time and space to think and create. We're about to launch native ads. Uh, actually just launched it. So that's a brand new service, brand new department, mm-hmm. right? I, I need to be able to think about the creative aspect of that and, and how we're going to deliver a product. Our COO then helps with, process and structure and one of our, our one of our directors helps with that too and so yeah. so yeah it, it, instrumental critical for where we are as a business and to kind of take those uh those future leaps we need in that coo position yeah that's great so my last question what would be your number one tip to d2c e-commerce businesses for uh for next year yeah I, you know i think i think next year is going to be a year of of profitable growth so try to grow profitably. Um, I, I do also believe, and we'll see what happens with the economy, right? People have been predi- predicting a recession forever. And, and obviously, there's going to be a recession at some point. There, there always is. Um, but I don't think I've ever, I don't ever remember a time when there have been this many people talking about recession, recession, recession. We're not there yet, right? At least on the U.S., like the holiday shopping was good. But it's, it's coming, I'm sure, at some point. So look at profitable growth. And I think part of what leads to profitable growth is do you have everything dialed in, right? Do you have your remarketing dialed in? Do you have your email campaigns dialed in? Do you have your, your Amazon approach dialed in? But then, man, really look for opportunities. If there is a pullback, if there is a recession, you're going to see a lot of advertisers leave the auction. That means Facebook ads are going to get cheaper. YouTube ads are going to get cheaper. Google search and shopping is going to get cheaper, right? Which means opportunity. It means now market share is cheaper for you to go out and get. And so I think it's going to be a year to focus on the fundamentals, right? Get really, really good at the fundamentals and then try to push when others are pulling back, right? Just like the Warren Buffett uh, uh, quote of, hey, I'm, I'm greedy when others are fearful and I'm fearful when other people are greedy, right? This We're probably going to enter a season at some point in the next year when people are going to be fearful, so that, you know, where can you be greedy, so to speak, or, or maybe another way to put it is how can you be aggressive? How can you be smart, but be aggressive? I think there'll be lots of opportunities for great brands with good financials and, and the fundamentals in place to go out and get market share this coming year. Yeah, I love that quote and that advice. And I, I really agree. This is the time of opportunities. So, yeah, yeah, I think uh, you should go out and test new things and and we can see something working, we should double down on that. Absolutely. So that's great advice. 
thanks Brett again for uh, coming here today and sharing your story and your approach and thank you everyone who listened to the live stream today or the podcast uh, on the podcasting platforms and every week we come out with new episodes with e-commerce business owners e-commerce agency owners so make sure that you follow us and uh, give us a review and share your opinion also in the description i will put the website link of uh, omg commerce and uh, also i will put a, a another link where uh, you everyone can go and you can download this uh, 50 point checklist basically it's for your e-commerce email marketing and uh, it's completely free so make sure you check it out and uh, thanks again Brett and everyone and uh, thanks, Daniel. thanks everybody